Happy Easter, everybody. Good to be with you. Um, so cool that we can do church house to house this way. And um, it's been amazing how the church has tr been transformed in this last season since COVID-19 hit. Um, it's amazing to see what God has been doing in and through the church and in and through our world. Um, it's been really cool to see how people have still worshipped, um, still connected, and um, we actually have been getting some videos of people worshipping and connecting together. Uh, well, check out this video. This was an awesome one that we got. You can't keep whitewater families from, from worshiping and dancing. Let's jump into the sermon for today. Um, we're jumping into the book of Luke, chapter 24, and this is uh, picking up in the story of Jesus where he has died on the cross, and it's three days afterward, and uh, he has some disciples who are leaving Jerusalem on their way uh, to Emmaus, and they have an encounter that they're not expecting. Check this out. Verse 13, it says, On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. Now, while they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. Now, I'm, I'm imagining my head like they're six feet apart, you know, safe social distancing. Um, and I don't know about you, but uh, social distancing has been pretty tough for my two-year-old, uh, Wesley. Uh, he sees people, he just wants to hug them. He always runs up and he'll hug them like their leg or he'll jump up on them. And right now, like when he lunges, people jolt um, and we jolt to grab them. Uh, maybe that's just us, but it's been strange times for sure. But Jesus starts, he joins them on their journey. And then it says in verse 16, they were prevented from recognizing him. So they didn't even recognize it was Jesus on the road with them, resurrected from the, from the dead by the power of God. I don't know if it was kind of a judo move where they just weren't able to see him like that or, or they just weren't expecting him. So they just weren't thinking that way. Um, but I just love that, that, that they're joined by Jesus on the road of really despair, they, they're, they're in despair and they're, they're hopeless because their teacher in their minds is gone and the dream is gone, the mission's over, and Jesus joins them right where they're at. And I think that's uh, so true even today that Jesus can sometimes be on the journey with us and we're not even aware of it. Verse 17, uh, Jesus, he said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? So he's playing kind of dumb, like he doesn't, you know, he's not revealing himself. Uh, they stopped and their faces were downcast. It's, it's, they're sad. And Jesus is saying, well, what, what's going on? Why are you so sad? Um, verse 18, the one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who's unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? Are you unaware of the things that have happened uh, it would be like someone, um, you know, coming out of a prayer retreat um, just just today and, and all of a sudden realizing or being unaware of all the COVID-19 stuff and just like, you know, walking up to people and, and are, you on, are you aware of what's happening? And um, Jesus says to him, what things? 
What things? He's playing, playing dumb. They said to him, the things about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't it so ironic that, that they're, they begin talking about Jesus to Jesus without knowing they're talking to Jesus. I bet he's just getting a kick out of this. And um, he continues, they say, because of his powerful deeds and his words, you know, his ministry, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him as, as a criminal. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. If you have your Bibles, underline that. Um, we had hoped he was the one is, is showing what the problem is, why their face was, their faces were downcast, why they were so sad, is that their hopes have been crushed on the cross. Their dreams for the future have been destroyed. Uh, their mission is over. And they said, all these things happened three days ago. I mean, it's done. It's so interesting. Jesus is right there with them, hearing their story, hearing their heart. And I think it's so interesting that God is restoring and does restore our broken world in the most unexpected ways in unexpected times. But there's more, they said. Some women from our group left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had, they had even seen a vision of angels who told them that he was alive. You can tell they're, they're not sure whether to believe this or not. Verse 24 says, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman had said. They didn't see him. And again, the irony is they're telling a story about their friends who couldn't see Jesus in a tomb, but they're walking away from Jerusalem acting as if Jesus is still in the tomb. My daughter uh, couldn't recognize me one time when I shaved my beard. She, she came home and she just kind of looked at me and kept walking. Then all of a sudden looked at me and was like, Dad, is that you? And sometimes there's moments where we don't recognize what God's doing. It's like our heart and our brain take a little while to catch up to the reality. And I want to talk to you about how the resurrection of Jesus reframes reality. Here's the first thing I want us to focus on. This is the heart of the message today. Jesus helps us see hope from yesterday so we can see and be hope today. I think it's so important that we have to learn that, that Jesus is the one. He's the guy who helps us see hope. And in this story, he helps people see, he helps the disciples see hope from yesterday so they can see hope today. So let's let Jesus open our eyes. Let's let Jesus heal our eyes. Here's the first step to that reframing of our reality. And here it is. Jesus helps us see hope through scripture. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer all these things and then enter into his glory? He's saying, wasn't, doesn't the Bible teach us that he would have to live and suffer and die unjustly so that he could enter his glory, so that he could be resurrected? Jesus is teaching them the Bible and helping them reinterpret what they should already know, but, the, but they can't see it the way Jesus sees it. Then it says he interpreted for them the things written about himself 
in all the scriptures. Now, imagine being able to walk with Jesus on this, you know, mile upon mile journey, having Jesus unpack the scriptures. Like, I'm a poor substitute for the teaching and the teacher of Jesus. I think that would be the most amazing Bible Bible study. And it says, starting in the in the books of Moses from the beginning of the Old Testament and going through all the prophets, all the Old Testament, he taught them the, the scriptures. And the scriptures, here's really important, are like a windshield that we look through, not at. If we're just looking at the Bible, um, it, it, we're not going to see Jesus. We're not going to see what God is doing in the world. It's like, uh, if it, would you rather drive with someone who's looking at the windshield or through the windshield? And Jesus is teaching them to see through the windshield, to see what God did in the past so that they could see what God is doing today. Now, in the next uh, way that Jesus helps reframe um, our reality, Jesus helps us see hope through practicing his teaching. Um, it's so important to learn that when we practice, that's when we really learn to know something. We can know something in head knowledge. We can have something memorized. We can understand the concept, but we really know something when we practice it. Jesus isn't, isn't ever after just information. Jesus always leads to transformation. Verse 28, when they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, uh, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. They are practicing one of his basic teachings of hospitality. Jesus said to take care of the stranger and and take care of the, the, the one who needs a place to stay. And so they practice a teaching of Jesus that they learned, and it's helping open their eyes to the hope that's right in front of them. Um, here's again some more on, uh, of how Jesus reframes our reality and heals our vision. Jesus helps them see hope in past words and deeds. Check this out. After he took his seat at the table with them, because remember they invited him in for hospitality, he took the bread, he blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him but he disappeared from their side. I love this moment. Like, like all of a sudden their eyes are open to who Jesus is. They, the, the Jesus they've been um, mourning and grieving is sitting with them, resurrected, new life, and then he disappears. It's like God just gives them a peek at the resurrection power. Um, and I also love in this moment that, that it's through an act of hospitality to Jesus and then Jesus responding and revealing hope to them through a past uh, teaching, through a past action that he's done with them many times that all of a sudden their eyes are open. It's not just through the teaching of the scripture earlier where they recognized Jesus and it wasn't just by inviting him in. It was like sitting down with them and eating with them, relationship with Jesus and their eyes are opened. Now, um, I think that when Jesus did this, he blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it. It would have reminded them of when he fed the 5,000 people. He, he uh, took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, and then gave it. Or the, the night before Jesus was crucified, he blessed the bread and he broke it and then he gave it to them. And I think it would have also reminded them of a teaching where Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. And in this moment, I think he's saying something so powerful at the end of the book of Luke, at the end of, of really the beginning of the story. He's saying, I am the blessed one. I am the broken one. 
and I am the given one. I am the bread of life. So when he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it, he's, he's helping them see, like, I had to come and live for you as, a, as the blessed as the blessed one. I am the broken one. I died on the cross for you. But as the scriptures have said, I am the one given to the world in resurrection power. I just think that that is the most amazing moment for his disciples. In verse 32, we come toward the end of our story. They said to each other after Jesus has disappeared, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us? along the road when he explained the scriptures for us, when we were on the journey together and not even aware that we were with the resurrected Jesus that we've been grieving. They got up right then and they returned to Jerusalem. They went back. The place of hurt and pain, the place of the cross, the place of defeat had now become a place of hope because Jesus helps us see hope from yesterday so that we can see and be hope today. So let the resurrected Jesus set your heart on fire with hope. Have you ever had a moment where you read a scripture or you saw something that reminded you of Jesus or, or it was just like God spoke to you and, and like it, it lit your heart on fire? Let's let, our, let God light our hearts on fire to help us see hope from the past so that we can see and be hope today. I want you to watch a story of hope from yesterday, a story of hope from the past that I think has a word for us of hope today in our situation with COVID-19. So they monitor on Friday reference to two decide on their We're here with you. We love you. Keep balance, sweetheart. And, um, we keep fighting. They're going to bring in a new machine. That's going to help you even more, okay? It's going to help you fight this infection. <laughs> Stay strong, sweetheart. I remember Brandon holding my hand and just saying, It's happening, Abby. It's happening. But little do we know, like, just how crazy things would get. The baby was born in cardiac arrest. She was born fundamentally dead, is what they told us. Her umbilical cord was pinched, and so she was receiving no oxygen to the brain. The nurse practitioner, I just knew when he walked in, something was very wrong. He had all the color drained out of his face, and he was actually tearing up. And he sat down on the edge of the bed, and I really thought he was going to say, the baby's gone. Mm -hmm. But he basically told us, you know, we've found that the baby's infected with groupie strep. Um, she's septic, has suffered brain damage from no oxygen being delivered to her brain. Everything was just kind of spinning almost, you know, mm -hmm. just being in that room and being like, this is real right now. Mm -hmm. I, I, can't, I don't even know where to touch her. She was just covered on, in every limb with stuff. If you can just imagine there's this baby that is 92 degrees, completely cold to the touch, completely sedated, she's not moving at all, bleeding out at several spots. Also on ECMO, so her chest is completely flat. There's no Still. movement in her chest because the machine is doing all the work for her. It was like, where is my child? Like, there's just nothing even there. Another doctor came out and, and spoke with us and said, we'll have to see how the next 24 hours go. It's possible that she doesn't make it. Um, 
And I just remember feeling like, what? No. Not again. <laughs> I lost my dad unexpectedly. Um, like a year and a half beforehand. And just thinking to myself, like, not again, God. I don't want to do this again. And I think that was like the first time that we really prayed, like, God, show up and show off. How can Brandon suffer loss again? How will I tell my kids? That was the hardest. How am I going to tell Elliot Nanny, my son, who has been so looking forward to meeting his baby sister? He wouldn't even talk to us, but he would ask, is she going to die tonight? And I didn't know how to answer that question. And so I just say, Betty, I don't know, but we can pray. I just said, Lord, I don't know if I have the faith, but I want it so much. Would you just give it to me? Would you give me that? Faith is being able to believe what you can't see. And faith is, is being able to say that <laughs> the, the God we serve is bigger than this. <laughs> that this isn't beyond Him. When things are good, I trusted you, God. And when things don't seem to be going well at all, am I going to stop now? <laughs> no, now I need you more than ever before. I remember um, really feeling like, God, I believe you can heal Lily. I believe you will heal Lily. Uh, but even if you don't, I am going to still trust you. <laughs> I hadn't been on Facebook for probably a year. I, I just said like, hey, would you please join us in praying? We're on the way to Seattle Children's. Uh, Lily's gonna fight for her life. Um, I just threw it out there. Several hours later, there are like 3,000 shares on that. God is moving people to prayer. Mm -hmm. God is using this little girl to remind people that he is very much alive. You know, we learned that there were people, you know, who were gathering in our hometown in Puyallup. Um, at like the center of town at a park and there was people there uh, worshiping God and, and praying in groups. This terrible thing is happening and yet he lifts us mm -hmm. and he carries us and he blesses us. Who else can do that but mm -hmm. God? It's eight days old and it's the first day I've held her. The first time you've ever held her. Mm -hmm. Look at that girl. It's the best feeling in the whole world. I remember just posting, like, she's coming off of ECMO. It was a shock even to us. Mm -hmm. That was a huge victory. Mm -hmm. And just in that same timing, the attending doctor came by and painted this analogy of, okay, she's off of ECMO. Basically, though, this girl has got to climb Mount Rainier, and she hasn't even found her shoes yet. It was just enough hope mm -hmm. that it was like, maybe God can do this, you know? She's met every milestone, thinking that we need to track her through early intervention. She didn't even qualify for it. She scored mm -hmm. above average on, on everything. 
and her social emotional score was like off the charts because she's so engaged. Her brain is fine. God was with us in that room. God was with us all along that journey when there was like just absolute uncertainty and chaos. I think rather than saying, God, why? Or God, where are you? I think it's important that we consider like, God, I need you. He draws near to the broken. Mm-hmm. When we choose to trust him in that, and when, we're, when we're willing to say, God, this is beyond us. There were people that uh, we met in the hospital who weren't getting the answers to their prayers. There was a mom that sewed blankets. She had sewn the same pattern of a blanket for her daughter who did not make it. To reach out to this family in need, whose story turned out wonderfully, what I'm sure she wishes her story turned out that way for her to love that way, mm. despite, is incredible. and mm. shows us the love of God. That's, that's what happens when you know God. At seven weeks, we left the hospital, 49 days. People had heard that we were coming home, um, and family and friends and and people from the community, neighbors that we really don't even know that well that have been following Lily's story, um, they all showed up at our house. I think you can follow this story and look at what was and look at what is now and say, God didn't play a role in that. Doctors who are often reluctant to give up any sort of concession to something outside of medical uh, intervention have said, this girl's a little miracle. The story isn't over. You know, that it's not like, okay, God did that and now he's done. I think that 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 God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, and God is certainly no less capable uh, now than he was this summer to enter into whatever life has and Mm -hmm. to be able to walk with us and and before us and to guide us into that darkness and just say like, hey, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can bring light into the darkness if you'll trust me. One doctor said, I read her charts this morning and I expected to walk in and see a train wreck. And then his eyes welled up with tears and he said, that's not at all what's here. This girl's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, beautiful. yeah, that's the work of a mighty God. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He cares to know you. Yeah. You know, he's standing on the corner uh, holding signs ready to celebrate us coming back to him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, saying like, I've been waiting. I don't care where you've been mm-hmm. and what you've been doing. I don't care what sort of shame you're carrying with you or guilt that you feel. I love you and I want to know you. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I'm for you, I'm not against you. Mm -hmm. I just wish that you would build a relationship with me because you will find that it is so good. Yeah. I don't know what I would do without God.
Lily is a sign of hope. And you just see that little, little body with all those tubes and so little hope. Her story of how God slowly healed and resurrected a, a, a dream that was dead, a family that had thought they'd lost their little one, um, doctors who gave her almost no chance at survival. God did a miracle. And I think that's a, a word for today, that in our world, where this virus has hit, like no one expected, it came out of nowhere. We have no control over it. Um, the, the, all the people who are supposed to be the experts, the professionals, they didn't know what to do. Our world didn't know what to do. And we're still seeing the ramification. God sees our world and he loves us and he is at work restoring. And I think Lily is a sign of hope. She's a a, a symbol to look back at and see that we have a God who is healing love. Easter is the celebration of the healing love of God who sent his son Jesus as the healer and the cure. He lived a life we couldn't live. It was a blessed life, but he was, he was so good that the world crucified him. And when he was dying on the cross, he was absorbing all the evil and became the cure for anyone who would look to him, anyone who would put their trust in him. May Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, be your sign of hope today. If you've been needing hope, I wanna, I wanna remind you that, that that miracle that happened to Lily really happened. And God, I believe God is healing our world and will use you and me as signs of hope to help heal our broken world. If you're needing the God of hope and all healing today, would you, take a step of faith and just pray this prayer um, from, from your heart to God. You can pray out loud. You can pray, pray in the quiet of your heart. You could do this later if you want, but I want to invite you right now to have a moment of faith. Would you just pray with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for being the God of all hope. Thank you, Jesus, for being my healer. Would you heal my soul? Would you wash away all the stains from the bad decisions and the sin in my life? And would you, would you heal me? Just heal me, God. I give my life to you the best I know how. Thank you for dying on the cross and giving me hope for today and tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, is the turning of the tide, the setting right of all that's been wrong. And today is a day where as we sing or as we spend time with our family, we're remembering the hope of God. We're looking back to stories of hope in our lives where God has saved us and set us free and, and changed us and transformed us, even when we might not even have, have recognized it before. But today is a day where we let Jesus heal our, our vision and we look back at the graves in our life and we let God turn them into gardens and we let that hope from yesterday become hope today. And if we can hope today, then we can become hope for others tomorrow. We can live for Jesus. We can't be Jesus, but we can live for Jesus and we can become like him. Do you remember that video I showed you at the beginning of the sermon? 
That was Lily. Watch this video again. That little girl is a miracle. And may that sign of hope from the past be the sign of hope of, of the restoring, healing love of God in our world today. We will be with our families again. We will be restored with our friends again. We will be able to um, move into the home that you've been wanting to move into, have the wedding you are wanting to have, uh, have the, the times with, with old loved ones that you've been wanting to be with. We will have those times again. God is gonna pull us through because we have hope from yesterday, today, and hope for tomorrow.